This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Andrew Bate, founder of Swarm Farm Robotics. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CropLife America, providing crop protection products to assist farmers in sustainably producing a safe and ample food, fiber, and fuel supply for the world. Learn more at CropLifeAmerica.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Swarm Farms Andrew Bate next. The Environmental Protection Agency's high review standards help keep Americans safe. The agency's rigorous review process sets the standard for protecting the public and environment. That's why only 1 in 10,000 pesticides make the journey from the lab to the field. In fact, on average, it takes more than 11 years to develop data for and move fully through the EPA approval process for pesticides. Through federal preemption, EPA helps keep millions of Americans safe by setting standards and creating uniform labels and packaging for pesticides. Learn more by visiting croplifeamerica.org slash federal pesticide regulation. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Australia's Andrew Bates family farm once encompassed nearly 20,000 acres. But Bates saw that the effort to grow the operation wasn't the best for the soil or the farm's productivity. Stealing a concept of autonomy and robotics from the mining industry, Bates developed Swarm Farm Robotics. And so this big breakthrough for us was... If we can go robotic, we can grow better crops by making smaller machines that were better tailored to what we're doing, that were lighter, that didn't do that much damage to the soil. And that's kind of how we started Swarm Farm off. There was another burning thing there for me that, as a farmer, I knew that what had got us, you know, the technology and the farming systems that had got us to where we were weren't going to get us where we needed to be in the next 20 years. Um, We were struggling with herbicide resistance and... um, and also looking at the use of fertiliser, particularly nitrogen, and the efficiency of that. And we're starting to think about, well, what's next? You know, everything in agriculture we do now is based on an answer in a can. We look for every problem we have in agriculture, we're looking for another product or a chemical to spray on it to solve the problem. And we were thinking, well, with robotics, we can totally redefine how we grow our crops. We can start to bring farming practices in that, that we don't use now, um, Things like how do we kill weeds without spraying chemicals on them? Can we go back to mechanically chipping them out of the ground one at a time? Can we can we inject a fungus into the stem and kill them with some of these biological products out there that we know can kill plants but aren't sort of commercially viable yet? Um, could we knock them out by burning them off with steam or microwave energy or lasers? And this was all technology that wasn't going to happen on the back of a tractor that needed robotics to bring it to life. And that was one of the other catalog things that, that kind of drove us to launch Swamp Farm Robotics. Where did you first adopt or where did you first bring in autonomous robotics to your operation? What have you accomplished with robotics thus far? Look, weed control is where we started. That was where we saw that autonomy and robotics could really make a difference for us. And it's based around two things. It's where we put the most traffic across our paddocks, so the most the most passes per season are done in weed control. So that was causing the majority of our soil compaction issues. And also, we're a full zero-till and controlled traffic farming system here on our farm. So um, 
we're completely relying on glyphosate and other pesticides to control our weeds. It was an opportunity could we massively cut the amount of chemical we were using and change the agronomy around killing weeds. So we started to deploy our first robots and we deployed our first robots back in about 2014. We put um, technology on board and we integrated on board technology that could detect individual weeds. So instead of spraying entire paddocks and putting a blanket spray, um, we started using this technology that could detect individual weeds and only spray weeds when it could see a weed. And that was kind of instrumental for us because we started cutting out the amount of chemical we are using. Instead of you know, spraying 100% on a paddock, we're cutting it down to sometimes 1% of what we would typically use. And in our operation, uh, we work in litres. I'm not sure about gallons, but we were using around 25,000, 30,000 litres of glyphosate per year and, and we were able to massively cut the amount we used. So that was a big thing for us. We were no longer compacting our soil and, you know, our robots were around, you know, a quarter of the size of what the machines we had been using and, and probably one-tenth of the weight that we solved our soil compaction problems. What, what we have been able to do, though, is, is massively save the amount of amount of chemicals that we're using on our fields and a farmer that's running one of our robots is using completely different agronomy to the farmer next door who's who's using the using is spraying with um with the same weeding technology the same weed identification and in terms of green on brown technology because what we're learning out of autonomy is that the decisions are different um when it comes to that green on brown spraying compared to green on brown spraying with a conventional sprayer Farmers using our robots are, uh, are controlling their weeds two to three times more per season. They're doing far more passes. They're using different chemistry and different timing. They're using less residual products particularly, like your atrazines um, and other products um, that, that have residual in the soil and using more knockdowns. It's even changing the crop rotations that they're running because they're fundamentally changing the, you know, the, the weed control program for the season. They've got more opportunities for double cropping here in Australia where we'll grow two crops in one season. Um, because there's less residuals in the soil, we're able to plant crops we normally wouldn't. Um, so there's already a shift of, of, of farming systems around autonomy that's been unlocked by autonomy that, that we couldn't get when green on brown technology is on a conventional sprayer. Would you suggest that robotics and autonomy could lead to more sustainable crop production? Absolutely, and I'll, I'll take it further than that. The adoption of robotics, while so many people think about labour savings and what that might be in agriculture, and we all acknowledge there's a massive shortage of available labour in agriculture, the true adoption and the true driver of this technology is going to be higher yields and more, more sustainable and efficient farming, as in less chemicals, less fertiliser, less damage to the soil. That's what's going to drive the adoption of autonomy and, and robotics in agriculture. Is the push to artificial intelligence, autonomy, robotics, is this meant only for the largest operations that might force farms to become even larger? Or is this technology and mechanization something that a medium or small size farm could cash flow? I think robotics is, is going to level the playing field. It's going to democratize the ability to, to have new technology on your farm. You know, right now, unless you can afford the latest, greatest equipment that's in the, you know, half a million dollars or more, you're not getting access to the best farming techniques and the best farming technology. Um, and there's only so many farmers that can afford that really large equipment. Um, with robotics, it breaks it down to smaller pieces. So a small farm 
will have the latest technology on board a small robot. Um, it's smaller than the equipment they may have had previously. A large farmer might have five or six of exactly the same machines. They might have ten of exactly the same robots and machines and have access to the same technology. But it means that we've broken technology down to bite-sized pieces that small farmers can have one of, large farmers can have a number of, and it gives everyone access to the latest technology. So there's a real opportunity in that. Um, I also think that um, um, there's a change. Like, there's a, you know, people get scared of technology and, you know, you look at a modern tractor um, and, and a lot of the modern farm equipment we have are covered in electronic systems, computers, wiring looms, um, very complicated equipment. And, you know, a lot of this is really hard to support out in the field when it's 3 o'clock in the morning and there's rain coming and you're trying to get the operation done and a fault code comes up, you're absolutely helpless until someone can come and try and fix that. Um, with robotics, we actually have the opportunity to make farming technology simpler. And, and, and I'll wait you to say that, you know, really large machines are really complicated. They require so many electronics and control systems all over them to keep them running. There's the potential for robots to actually be far, far simpler machines with less moving parts, with less electronics than some of the modern farming machines we see now, particularly when it comes to combines, and, and some of the modern tractors that we see out in the marketplace nowadays. So what's being done today, and what do you think the future is for robotics and autonomy on farms? It's interesting. I think you've got to break the future up into a few steps. There's the technology now that makes sense for autonomy that can be applied and has a return on investment and actually makes a difference. It moves the dial on agriculture, and they're the things that robotics can do now and, and exist and, and make sense. There's tasks that farmers want to do now that don't make sense for robotics, that while we'd like to do them, they're just a bit too hard for autonomy. And an example of that would be harvesting, for instance. To put harvesting of crops into autonomy, it's a really big task. It'll happen, but it's going to be a few years off until we work out how to do that effectively. And it might be completely different to how we harvest crops nowadays. Um, in the first example of things that make sense now um, are things like... Um, spraying and weed control, um, application of fertiliser makes sense, uh, plantings on, on, on the verge of being, being practical with autonomy, things like orchard operations with slut mowing and slashing makes sense. And so they're the things that we can do now that add value and, and actually move the dial in terms of farming. The really exciting bit is what's coming next, and these are the things that we can see but really don't exist in the market yet. And we're talking about things like, um, you know, killing weeds with electricity. There's people working on it, but you can't buy that technology yet to actually practically get it in the field and, and, and actually start killing weeds with, with electrical pulses. Uh, microwave technology is another one where you cook weeds using microwave heat. People working on it, but it doesn't exist in the market yet. I talked in earlier about the ability to use viruses and funguses to kill plants. Um, there's plenty of species that are identified and known um, that can kill plants and there's a few actually available here in Australia that can be stem injected into trees to kill them but they're not kind of designed yet or thought of for broadacre crops. Um, this sort of technology would require stem injection of individual plants to be taken to market and that's where robotics is the unlock code or the big enabler here. Um, so some of this really exciting technology that's still to come, we need the brightest minds and the smartest people around the world to start thinking and developing this technology because it's going to require lateral thinking. Do you build the machines or do you buy and adapt the machines? 
who's working or where do you where do you access uh, the robots that you offer for your customers of Swarm Farm Robotics? Look, we're an end-to-end company, so we write all of our own software and, and, and code for our robots, so we have a full autonomy stack we've developed in-house. We design and prototype our robots, so they're all designed and prototyped in-house. We then manufacture here, so we build the machines here in Australia. We also sell the robots direct and support them through their life with farmers, and we also um, partner with other companies to integrate their technology on board our robots. So we have a, a program where we work with other companies that have interesting technology that makes sense to integrate on board our robots, and we help them bring their technology into autonomy with our robots. Do your robots run on liquid fuel, or are they electric? They're very pragmatically built them with diesel engines on board. Every farmer around the world has access to diesel. There's a path towards electrification, and we'll be there. But it doesn't make sense. It would be a hindrance to adoption of this technology now. So we get fantastic run times with diesel. Everyone's got it. Um, we cut fuel burn around, I think it's around 30% fuel saving because our robots are so light compared to a traditional machine. So we're getting big savings already. And naturally, we'll head towards electrification in the next few years as components become more available. I think there's a big opportunity around hydrogen as well as, as a farm fuel. I'm pretty excited about the hydrogen industry as well. So let's talk about infrastructure. What's needed in Australia? What's needed in the United States to help this technology of autonomy and robotics? What's needed from an infrastructure perspective to help you be successful in, in adopting and adapting this technology to its full potential? I, I don't think there's a lot needed. Here in Australia, robots are starting to become mainstream in a lot of regions, cropping regions around the country. So. There's, we've put 40 robots into the hands of farmers here in Australia, all running commercially. And last year we did 1.1 million acres. Our farmers did 1.1 million acres with our robots commercially farmed. So in a lot of areas it's not hard to drive past the field and just see a robot running autonomously on the side of the road. And to this day that still impresses me greatly. You drive past that, that's one of our machines. It brings a great sense of pride to see that. Um, and in terms of infrastructure, um, connectivity is, is always always desired. Our robots can run without connectivity, but it's much better if there's cellular coverage. It helps you monitor your robot, and if there's rain coming, it's easier to, to, to change operations or move paddocks remotely um, if, if you've got phone coverage. Um, but we designed our robots from the start knowing that so many farms don't have phone or cellular coverage, and so you can put them to work without cellular coverage. It just means that uh, it's harder to monitor them through the day um, if they're in an area with no coverage. There's all different types of farmers, and you have uh, exhaustive experience in so many different types of agriculture yourself and a diversified operation there in Queensland. But let's consider the farmer in California, perhaps the San Joaquin Valley, that's producing fresh vegetables. Let's consider the farmer in Kansas that has thousands of acres of wheat and then let's think about the farmer in Iowa or Illinois or other that has established row crops of corn uh, or soybeans that they have in, in more narrow rows. Where do you see robotics beginning to make its inroads, and what do you see as the potential for these three different types of farmers? It's an interesting question because it's all based around the return on investment for, for autonomy. I think... In California, in the horticultural areas, the big push or the big pull there, I think, is around automation of field tasks and, and 
yeah, that's whether it's picking or pruning, uh, weeding between the rows, and less push around autonomy itself, but more around the, that that field operation because of the massive shortage of available field labour and and the cost. And so, the thing is that autonomy is required to unlock a lot of that technology because it needs to move so slowly. Um, it needs the accuracy that autonomy can give it, and so the enabling factor is is autonomy in that case. Except the real ROI is actually the tooling and the attachments that go on board robots that can actually thin crops, uh, control weeds, and eventually pick pick crops down the track. Um, I think in the broader acre, broad acre areas, so your cereal crops, um, it's going to be driven more by autonomy and the fact that field operations can be done on time with less damage to the soil. I think it'll be driven by the savings in products like pesticides and fertilisers that can be delivered. And as we know at the moment, you know, the cost of fertilisers so high, it's almost like you've got to sell your left kidney to buy a tonne of fertiliser in this current economy. It's, it's, it's crazy days, and so farmers are really focused now on the efficiency of the fertiliser they're, they're applying more, more so than ever, and there's opportunities with robotics and autonomy to actually apply fertiliser at better timing and less amounts but more often than autonomy allows. And I think the other one is obviously with better weed control when we're fighting resistant weeds and, and hard-to-kill weeds and physically the amount of, amount of pesticides we're using on our farms. And I think row crops is similar again. Um, the autonomy is a big drive there, and it's about timing of operation. It's about less soil compaction and more efficient use of the inputs they're using now, which is particularly fertiliser and, and pesticides. So the adoption is going to be different in different regions. Uh, our robots are kind of a modular design, so they're designed to go on all industries. And, you know, what we see is farmers with 20,000 acres are running four robots across their farm, um, and whereas farmers working more in horticulture, one robot's kind of sufficient. It's kind of that scalable technology that runs across um, you know, different sizes and different types of farms. The key is what's attached on board that delivers the return on investment for that particular industry. So from your perspective, working with the government in Australia, but thinking about North America and, and uh, other farming regions of the world, are the regulatory elements that need to be cleared? Are there legislative elements that need to be cleared in order for this technology to have the opportunity to take off? Look, certainly there is. There's some debate around uh, California at the moment, and I understand each state in the U.S. is different, and so it's going to take... I think it's going to take a family and a tribe to get this through. There's some really good agrobotic companies out there now, and, and together... Um, we need to work on, on, on the rollout of this technology. I'd also say it's the future too, and I think governments around the world realise this, if we're going to have resilient food systems and farming systems, if we're going to have vibrant and healthy rural communities, we need this sort of technology. Um, and I say that because we need sustainable farming, but we also need profitable farmers that can actually grow and spend money in their own communities and grow their own regions. And it's something that's really important to me as a farmer that we see our rural towns and regions around the world prosper and do well and and and, and grow just grow business opportunities in our own regions. And I think robotics is going to be huge in that. People say robots are going to going to cut jobs. I don't think they are. Uh, I think we're going to employ more people and, and engage more people into agriculture with robotics because it actually drags engaged people back into agriculture and gives them opportunities to do more in the farming system. Um, 
you know, yes, we may have less people sitting in tractors, but we're going to have more people out on the out on the ground looking at soil health, uh, crop protection, harvesting, planting, and these are engaged people that are truly passionate about agriculture and the opportunities in agriculture. We're also going to see a wave of technology sweep through agriculture that's enabled by robotics. There's going to be support people and developers of this new technology that goes on board, whether it's you know some of these non-chemical weeding technology I talked about. That's got to be developed. It's got to be supported and set up out in these regions. Um, if you look at things like the harvesting technology that's going to be developed down the track, there's going to be huge opportunities. And all of this technology needs to be serviced and supported out in these regions. So I think that um, I see robotics actually being a revival of of of, of healthy, wealthy, um, strong rural communities around the world. Well, Andrew Bate, we want to thank you for taking time from your harvest there in Australia to spend time with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Andrew, it is Open Mic, and today uh, you have the last word with our audience. Well, thanks, Jeff, and I, I think if there was one thing that I, I wanted to, to talk about in robotics or one thing that I guess gets me excited about the industry we're in, is the opportunity for new farming systems. Right now, we, we design our farms around the equipment we can buy. And you know, whether it's the tractors or the planters, um, seeding machines, the harvesters, and we kind of have these blinkers on that, you know, this is what we do in farming, this is how you farm, and this is how you set your farm up. And we're kind of, li- we're kind of limited by those paradigms. And I think what's really exciting is this, next wave of technology that robotics is going to unlock. It's kind of this unlock code. Uh, robots unlock these new farming opportunities and new technologies that we can fundamentally change the way we put seeds in the ground, change the way we control our pests, change the way we harvest. You know, one of the things that we started Swarm Farm, we realised there's so much opportunity here, there's no way that us as Swarm Farm can create all the uses and technology we need on board to grow better crops. A farmer in Australia has different farming practices to a farmer farming in, in California is different to a farmer farming in France is different to a farmer in England um, growing exactly the same crops. We have different varieties, different seasonal conditions, different soil types. And we haven't had this revolution where we've created technology at a micro level to really solve agriculture's problems because each soil type, each production system really needs tweaking on different technology to, to really get the best out of that soil type, the best out of that climate, the best out of that variety. And one of the things we do at Swarm Farm is we're an open system and we work with developers to, to integrate their technology on board. And we don't need tens of developers. We need not hundreds of developers. We need thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of smart minds and developers around the world creating the tooling and the smart uses of technology on board robots. Um, we need people that can work out how to push seed in the ground with high-powered air or water injection so we don't actually have to open the soil up in the first place. We need people that can work out how to in- inject fungus into the stem of weeds to kill them instead of using chemical. We need people to work out how you pick cotton robotically where you pick each bowl on the day it opens rather than coming through with a cotton picker or a stripper when the entire crop's ready. We could have had our cotton picked weeks earlier with less with the use of less chemicals and less and, and less opportunity for weather damage if we picked cotton the day the bowl opened and we'd get a better quality cotton. So all this technology needs to be developed and so what I'm most excited about is what robotics is going to bring in agriculture in terms of this army, all these people, of all these developers, all this technology of people thinking about smart agriculture and how to tailor it for their particular 
soil type their climate around the world. And so that to me is what's going to really be the exciting part of the next 10 years is the technology we see released that fundamentally changes the way we grow our crops in agriculture. Our thanks to Australia's Andrew Bate, founder of Swarm Farm Robotics, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CropLife America, providing crop protection products to assist farmers in sustainably producing a safe and ample food, fiber, and fuel supply for the world. Learn more at croplifeamerica.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally. 